I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Yup. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. All right. All Episode right. 85. Let's rip this bandaid off, Coomzy. We can do an 85 because it's relevant to our two demographics, which in my opinion are probably Oilers and Leafs fans. There's an 85 that played for both those teams who's a legend. Martin Marinson. Yeah, that's right. I nailed it. Nicely done. Shout out to all the Leafs and Oilers fans listening who are the only NHL fans who know who Martin Marinson is. If you don't know who that is, you don't know what we're talking about. Um, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by DoorDash. Shout out to our friends at DoorDash. I think I got a button here. Yep, I do. 25% off and no delivery fees with the promo code BJNPODDD. I was thinking, Coomzy, maybe we could just start this episode by just yelling into the microphone, just really letting out all our frustration. It'll sound terrible for the listeners. Sure, you can you can start screaming first if you want, and then I'll join in. Oh man, I just it that should have been an opportunity to just steamroll them and build up some momentum. And after game one, it felt so good. And the rest of that series just just frustrating. It did. They came into the first game and they put up 19 hits and eleven runs. And then they come into the second game. The second game did kind of seem like Okay, if they're going to lose one, it would be this one. Kikuchi's pitching. He's been pretty bad recently. Baltimore's got like a veteran starter on the mound. Ah, you never know. Okay, then they win. And they come back and they win the 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 third game. They almost fuck it up. They almost blow it. Oh. But then Vladdy hits a uh, walk up there in extra innings. And then the fourth game had just one of those all-time bad vibes. Like from the beginning of that game, you could tell things were just going to be whack. Like there's, I, sh- I should have, I should have dug into this when I was putting the notes together. But there's something about weekday day games at home for the Jays that are just dog shit. It's probably beyond just at home. It's probably at home and away. But whenever they play, it was the same thing in the Kansas City series. Like their day at away day. Yeah. The third game of that series, they just, they look like a complete pumpkin, the YouTube game. They never play well in the week, in the weekday. They never games. play. They never play well on YouTube. Damn, no damn kids. That's, in their YouTube. That's extremely cursed. Like if you're watching a game on, uh, of all of the streaming service games, Facebook and YouTube are terrible. The Apple one was fine. I thought they had a pretty good production quality. 
but there's something just extremely cursed feeling about the YouTube and the Facebook games. And then there's something extremely cursed about weekday day games in general, which sucks. Cause it should be a good, it should be a good vibe, right? Like you're, yeah, I guess for normal people that have jobs that go into an office or something like it's something to put on the background. But for us, it's like, okay, here's something to do during the day. And it always winds up being just terrible. Yeah, I absolutely love day baseball because my job involves sitting in front of a computer all yes. day. So having it on is like sick. Um, but yeah, they I agree. Like it never feels like they come through with a big win in a weekday day game. Um, I don't know. It's just frustrating. You're right. The vibes were off right from the beginning. Um, they end up like it's not even like they lost. Right. Like they just got their asses kicked. Like they just got pumped. It's brutal. The Orioles are better this year than they were last year. And I, I, I had yeah, been saying that at like, the beginning. I, they are, they are. They're not, they're not last year. Last year they were so bad. Like roll over and lose. It was shocking if the Orioles won a game last year. If 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 they pulled it a win. Like remember, there was those two games in September. It was a doubleheader, and there was one where the Jays were uh, down by one. I think it was. Yeah, it was a seven inning game, and they were down by one, and they go into the top of the seventh, and they put up like ten runs. Mm-hmm. And then the next day they go and score like 25 runs on the Orioles. And it was like, yeah, that's, that's expected. That makes sense. Or is this year now, like they can hit, they can score runs. Starting pitching still pretty bad, but now they have this, this really good back end of their bullpen with these mm-hmm. random guys you've never heard of. And they're all just throwing gas and they're, 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 they're better than they were last year. They're not, they're yeah. not an automatic win. I always, this is totally uh, not totally unconnected, but I always think like being a baseball play-by-play guy, like such a grind, right? You got to call 162 baseball games. They're always at random times. Can you imagine having to be the play, like the regional play-by-play guy for the Baltimore Orioles on like Nesson or whatever they're on? I guess it wouldn't be on Nesson. That doesn't make any sense. Um, But like whatever random little network they're on and having to call like 162 Orioles games. It was for years. It was, uh, uh, what's his, what's his name? Who used to be in the NHL video game? It was Gary Thorne. Really? called local yeah he called local baltimore Orioles games because i remember uh those used to always show up on sportsnet west during the mm. day because they would have to fill that like 11 till 2 yeah mountain time block with something so they put on like a random game and i remember it was like oh this is the guy from the nhl video games doing commentary for the orioles or can you imagine being like the the host of like the local post game show on baltimore am radio and like what do you what do you what do your shows consist of yeah, just fielding fielding post-game calls about like the 2022 Baltimore Orioles. Well, I mean, like I said, they're more interesting this year than they were last. Yeah. Like they have decent players. The Jays need to go out and acquire that fucking Mount Castle guy just that he can't, you know, spoil the relationship that it should be between the Blue Jays and Orioles. The Blue Jays should be steamrolling them and beating them 15 out of 20 times this year or whatever it is. But this Mount Castle guy is Barry Bonds all of a sudden. <laughs> he's, he's filled in. Big he's perfectly ball. filled in the, the, the Nick Marcakis role. Remember in like the 2000s, 2010s, Nick Marcakis hit everything against the Jays? Yeah. Exact same energy. He's the most mediocre player. I, uh, I really like if we're talking about players on the I can't believe we're doing this. We're talking about players on the Orioles that I think could help the Blue Jays this season. That Felix Batista in the bullpen, he just throws gas, man. And he's like an intimidating yeah. dude as well. Like he's six foot five, 200 pounds. And he throws like, what, 98? Yeah, with a lot of movement, too. That was a those yeah. were some biting pitches. And, and it always. Yeah, like I would have, happily take a guy on the Jays pitching named Bautista. That'd be sick. He uh, in his last. 15 games here or less. Yeah. 15 games. Um, he has a 1.73 ERA. That's over 26 innings. That's insane. Yeah, the, 
Speaking of that, like, um, I guess we're probably going to get into this later, but would you say the team's biggest need going into the trade deadline is now bullpen pitching or starting pitching? Oh, okay. Well, let's start with that. Yeah, let's get, should we just rip through the ups and downs? They're so, they're so basic. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Okay. Let's start with the downs because it kind of ties in. Uh, Kikuchi was junk. Uh, He's been junk now for a few starts. Um, This is not good. He gave up four earned over four innings. If you look at his last few starts, they do not paint a good picture. He could not get out of the first inning against KC because he gave up three earned in an inning. He's allowed four, three and four earned runs in his last three appearances. It's not good considering he's only pitched what nine and a third. Yeah, it's not exactly ideal. There isn't really like much analysis you can give in regards to Kikuchi other than, other than he has to hit the strike zone. And this is kind of what he looked like at the beginning of the season when he was, it just looked like he was closing his eyes and throwing it and <laughs> hoping it wound up in the strike zone. He's just nowhere near it. But I will say on a more positive note, if you look back last year, um, Steven Matz on June 30th put up a start against the Seattle Mariners in which he allowed four and runs over two and two thirds innings. And his ERA ballooned to 460 at that time. And that's right around where Kikuchi is. And Matt's improved a whole bunch down the stretch. So maybe, I mean, we shouldn't, we shouldn't write him off just yet. He, you know, he's a number five starter. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs at the very least. Kikuchi seems to be very good against the Yankees. So there's that. And maybe he's a Yankees only pitcher. He doesn't pitch otherwise. (laughs) Oh boy. Um, yeah, it's not good. I think we'll, we'll talk about maybe the need to add an arm to, to this mix, whether it's a starter or a reliever, because I mean, not, I don't want to let Kikuchi off the hook because you need your starter to give you more than four innings. And that was just not good. And the four runs is not good, but they went with Trevor Richards next. He gave up two earned. And I mean, uh-huh. the Jays end up losing by one. They end up losing six, five. So like, again, if you had a lockdown bullpen, I, I shouldn't even say that though, because like asking your bullpen to lock it down for yeah. five innings, like what are we even yeah. doing here? Yeah, no, you're right. That's on. Kikuchi. Um, I will say the frustrating points in that game, they had chances. Like they had a bunch of really good looks and Chapman hit that one that would have given them the lead and it looked gone off the bat. He actually had, that was the game. He already had a dinger as well. I think. Yeah. So he already had a dinger and then he sends one, just launches it and it's like, Hey, that's gone. And then it basically dies at the warning track. And it's like, it did not seem in this series. Like there was a combination of juiced and dead balls. So like I'm not Biggio had that one in the last game. Granted, yeah. they were down seven one, but there was a man on and yeah. it was like the fourth inning and Biggio hit that one off the bat. You're like gone. They're back in it. Like, let's go. And then when they caught it, I turned it off. I didn't watch the rest of the game. I was like, yeah, they're not winning. <laughs> yeah, there was multiple in that game. I swear. I think it might have been Bo that had one, too. And I think Teoscar ripped a ball that looked like it was going to be a double over um, the outfielder's head. And it just died. It looked like it was it was the, the April style ball where it just looks like it hit like a net in the outfield and fell down. And then there was also just like, like in the first game, the balls were just flying and then they were flying for Baltimore in the last game. I don't know if this is actually a thing with the balls or if we're just being dramatic and lazy in our analysis, but it just, it feels weird. It feels weird seeing the balls just drop like that. It's definitely still happening. And I do wonder if there's just a mix of all these different balls around blue Jays nation radio, dramatic and lazy. Yeah. Terrible analysis. Very dramatic. (laughs) <laughs> uh, second down is uh, what was going on with Kevin Gosman. He called it embarrassing his uh, his performance in the series finale, saying that's a team they should beat. Um, I tend to agree, Kevin, that is a team the Blue Jays should beat. Um, he's been off for a couple of starts now, and I'm not like I, I'm not going to like freak out or anything. His last two, three starts have not been good. 
Um, or I shouldn't say that because his start against Detroit was solid, but two of his last three have not been good. Um, eh, are you worried? I'm not worried. It it does feel like there's maybe a blueprint for when he struggles. Like it's the same struggles, right? So is that encouraging or does that tell you that teams are figuring him out? Uh, I don't know. It's, it seems like the reality with pitching is that no guys are going to go through an entire season and just dominate the whole year. I mean, yeah, there's a handful of guys that can do that. Maybe like a DeGrom or a Scherz or somebody like that, but as good as Gosman and that's, that's, that's not really who Gosman is. He's not that good. So like, he's going to pitch well for a period. Guys are going to figure him out and they're going to start looking for a certain thing. And then he's going to have to adjust and do something else. But he also did say after this game that he was feeling uncharacteristically tired. He was really exhausted on the mountain. Didn't seem to have that much gas. So it's not related to, uh, I don't know, the, the situation with his, uh, one of his more recent ones was that he was tipping pitches and that was a big disaster. But uh, another interesting thing is if you look at his splits, he's a lot better on the road than he is at home. So there's something going on with how he pitches at home that's resulting in his, his opponents hitting him hard. And that's what we saw against Baltimore is it just, it, it was almost like they knew what was coming. They were just laying off on his, on his splitters that we'd see in April and the early parts of May guys just be swinging through it all the time. And that was not happening at all. So uh, we could go back to the tipping pitches thing. Maybe that's happening. Maybe there's something he's doing at home versus on the road. I'm not really a hundred percent sure, but he did say he was super burnt out during the start. So maybe that's a thing too. I wouldn't be worried about Gosman though. This is, you know, a guy who, I don't know. He's, he's, he's been good for a few years now and he was extremely good at the beginning of the year. He's not just going to completely fall off a cliff. He's just going to have to change something to be good again. Yeah. And I like that take as well. Like if you wanted to be glass half full, you could say, Hey, it's small things, right? Like it, this all seems correctable from Gosman is what I'm trying to say. And you know, he had that little blip earlier in the season and he seemed to bounce back from it once he worked with Pete Walker and got it sorted out. So I'm not overly concerned about that. Um, the third down and this one, this one's kind of sad and it's a uh, Hunjin Ryu and his, I mean, you have it here that his career is likely over his blue Jays career is certainly over at this point. Um, but that's kind of sad because I mean, it wasn't all ups for his career as a blue Jay. And a lot of people made this point, but what he signified was, I think, important to this franchise and to the fan base as well. Like he was a big I still remember I was driving home and I got Mm -hmm. the notification. I had to pull over so I could scroll through Twitter and read because I couldn't believe the Jays landed someone like that. And it was a big moment. It gave the fan base hope and proved to them that this front office wasn't going to mess around. And this wasn't going to be Cleveland 2.0 that just loses their stars because they don't want to spend any money that they were serious about contending. And it showed us that big name free agents will come to Toronto. I, I applaud him for what he did in coming here. I applaud him for what he did in the pandemic season, giving us really a reason to watch his baseball team. And, and a big reason why they were good that year is because of the starts from Ryu. It, it's nothing but love, in my opinion, for Ryu. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I personally have no qualm with, you know, they go out and they sign a big free agent. There's risk whenever you're signing a, a free agent in baseball or hockey, whatever sport it is, because by the time that these guys have free agency, they're a bit older and, you know, they signed Ryu. He was uh, 33 coming into his first year with the Jays and there was always a risk. Okay. Maybe this guy's arm's going to fall off at some point during the contract. And 
you know, it is what it is. Like uh, the 2020 season was so important for the Jays because the, the step forward they took between winning, what was it? 67 games in 2019 and then making the expanded playoffs in the COVID year. It was huge. Like it was huge for the young guys, Bo, Vlad, Teoscar, Guriel, um, all those guys to get the experience of playing in games that mattered. And the entire 2020 season was a sprint of games that mattered. And during that season, it was Ryu and not a lot else. Like their next two highest innings pitched were Tanner Rourke and Chase Anderson. Yeah, that's not good. And no, it was terrible. And it was until they got Robbie Ray and Ross Stripling and Taiwan Walker at the deadline. They had nobody else other than Ryu. And he was phenomenal that year. He put up a two, six, nine ERA third and Cy Young and 13th in MVP voting. So yeah, like you said, he, um, he, he made the Jays relevant again in that season, played a key role in that. And if they don't go and take that step in 2020, does George Springer sign to the following off season? Does Marcus Semyon sign to the following off season? I mean, who knows? So it was the first domino in, in, in what wound up and has now become a situation in which the Jays are a player for major free agents. And it it's easy to forget that like 10 years ago, the idea of signing a, a free agent like Ryu was inconceivable especially because he's a Scott Boris client as well. And the Jays used to have a policy in the Paul Beeston days where there was no Scott Boris clients. It wasn't a thing. And signing this deal with Ryu, going and giving him 80 mil four years with a Boris client, maybe they don't get full value out of it, but bridging the gap there to have a relationship with his agent that represents so many good players was so necessary. And, you know, no, they didn't get, full value of the Ryu contract. Most teams don't get full value of a free agent contract. Look at the other contracts that were signed that season, the national Strasburg contract. He's pitched like eight games since signing that deal. Uh, the Madison Bumgarner contract that year as well. Looks just like a complete fucking mess. The only good one, Zach Wheeler, and I guess probably Garrett Cole too, but who knows what's going to happen with that. But that's the reality with signing free agent pitchers. You just never know. And at the very least for the Jays, they got that one very good season over you. And it was a game changing season for the franchise. Yeah. And there's like you said, the idea of free agency, I feel like everyone's always like, Oh, if you're not getting value, like don't do it. And that's just not the way it works when you get these older guys and, and you drew the comparable to hockey as well. It's the same thing there. Like if you want a talented player who is cheap and young and will give you years, you have to give up assets for them, right? You got to go get a Matt Chapman and you got to trade some prospects in that deal. You have to find a way to do that. It's very rare that you go sign a free agent and for the duration of their contract, they stay at the same peak they were at when you first inked that deal. I guarantee you the last year and a half, two years of the George Springer deal is not going to be good. No, but but that's not why you pay the guy. You pay the guy for what you're getting in the first few years. And with Ryu, yeah, maybe was it a year too long in hindsight? Sure. But if you could go back to that moment and you were in the front office for the Blue Jays, knowing everything you know now, would you say don't sign that contract? No. Well, there you go. The only way I would say no is if I was like, hey, maybe open up the wallets and go and sign Zach Wheeler. Yeah, sure. Sure. But that's, again, with the benefit of hindsight, Wheeler hadn't been, uh, he'd been pretty up and down for his career before that. And he had injury history as well. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) it's, it's, it's never that exact of a science. It's never that simple. And uh, it's funny because people always tease, uh, they tease this front office for so long for being, being cheap. It was like, Oh, like Atkins has a hard on for getting 27 years of control at the trade deadline. Everyone's teasing that. And then they open up and sign in free agency. And the guy winds up being kind of a standard free agent, which is, yeah. you know, you're, you're older and you wind up falling off a cliff. Everyone's like, well, why'd you spend that money? And it's like, well, what is it? Like I'd much rather than try and fail than just not try at all. 
Yeah. And especially in, again, in a sport like baseball where I know there's budgets, but there's no hard cap, let them spend, like just go spend the money. It's not my money. I don't care. Rogers is fucking money. Who cares? Yeah. They should be spending $500 million on payroll a year. Who gives a shit? Exactly. I don't care. Um, (laughs) I don't either. I'm not a Rogers client. I don't use them as my phone service. I don't care. I'm a Telus guy. Bell Future's gang. friendly. I'm a big Bell guy. Wow. That's because I used to work there and they still haven't taken off my employee discount. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't worked there in like eight months. Don't tell them. Don't tell Bell. Eight, oh, yeah, because of TSN. Yeah. I thought you were like, I was visualizing you working at like a the West kiosk. Edmonton Mall kiosk. Yeah, no. Selling like right. phone cases and plans. And I was like, what? No, doesn't I, sound right. I, I thought you worked at Lids. I did. I did work at Lids as well. Everyone knows my <laughs> employment history because I talk about it very openly on the podcast. Yeah, that uh, story you told on the Oilers Nation podcast. Yeah, I, I'm still not happy with you about that, but that's a conversation for a different day. Um, anyways, circling the Ryu thing coming back to this year's team. When when the news came out, I tw- I tweeted out that it was a big loss for the Jays, and that was met with a little bit of pushback because of what Ryu had kind of done so far this season. But the reason I think it's a big loss. And we see it with a guy like Kikuchi going out there is I, I still think Ryu, if he was healthy, because the injury was clearly hurting his performance here. If Ryu was healthy, he would have been a dependable fourth spot in your rotation. He wouldn't have been great. He wasn't going to come top 10 in Cy Young voting or anything stupid like that. But I think he could have been a dependable arm for you this season. Would he have pitched in the playoffs? No, I don't think so. I don't think he was making starts for this team in the postseason, but for the rest of the regular season, I think if he was 100% healthy, he would have given you dependable, a dependable performance every five days, right? And I, that's why I think this is a big loss because now you don't have that spot in your rotation. Yeah, Ross Stripling's pitching good, but are, are you comfortable sitting here being like, Ross Stripling's going to be this good for the entire season? Because I'm not. No, it's hard to say with Ross Stripling because he doesn't have the uh, body of work. He doesn't yeah. really... You're the kind of guy that pitched 180 or 200 innings with all that much frequency. Like he's, he's better off in the bullpen and then make making spot starts or being in the rotation for a period of time. And the thing with Ryu that we saw that was so encouraging was in the month of May, when he came back after that time on the injured list is he had a series of good outings, you know, Tampa Bay was four and two thirds innings, one earned run Cincinnati. And this is the reds. They suck, but whatever it was, you know, six innings shutout. And then against the angels, a team that was at that time, uh, they were doing well. This is before they imploded five innings, two earned runs. It was, solid starts from Ryu where it, it, it was almost kind of like in 2016 R.A. Dickey, like he was far from the pitcher that they were trading for in 2013 coming off the Cy Young year, but he came and he logged innings and sometimes it was a mess. Sometimes he was, you know, throwing batting practice, but at the end of the day, he came out and more often than not gave them a chance to win. And that's kind of what it looked like Ryu was turning into at this point. And we, you know, we were, fine with it. We were like, yeah, this is fine. This is who Ryu is. Now he's contributing, but now he's, you know, going potentially for Tommy John. He's going to be gone for this year, no matter what he might be coming back at some point next year. But even then it's kind of like, well, what are you going to do? Like have a spot in your rotation open for this guy to like go and pitch in Buffalo and maybe come back in August. Uh, I don't really know. Maybe they will, who knows, but it does seem like it's kind of over with, which is unfortunate. And now the Jays, only have one lefty in their rotation. And that's Kikuchi. And he's just an absolute enigma. So towards the top of the list now with about a month and a half left before the trade deadline is probably getting a new left-handed starter. Yeah, probably. I, I would imagine that's high up on the list and it, it'll be interesting to see which route they go 
Because I think it's happening. I think they will add a starter. I mean, you could sit there and say, well, maybe Nate Pearson finds a way to fill that void. And granted, he did make an appearance uh, earlier this week down in Buffalo. He pitched two innings, gave up a dinger, um, another hit, and then he had four strikeouts. So, I mean, fine. Uh, Caitlin McGrath had a, in her story in the athletics said the plan is for him to go three innings. That's the next step for Nate Pearson. But we, we should have learned our lesson by now. We are not banking on Nate Pearson coming up and being a starter this year. If you're doing that, you're foolish. Yeah. You're, you're, you're off your rocker. If you're sitting here being like, Oh, I think Nate Pearson can be the bullpen ace who throws 80 innings out of the bullpen, two, three innings at a time and put up a two ERA. Sure. Yeah. You can justifiably hold out hope for that. That's completely reasonable. But if you think that Nate Pearson in 2022, after having mono and after missing last year with whatever was going on, the hernia or the groin injury, and then, you know, had injuries in 2020 as well. Uh, if you think in 2022, Nate Pearson is going to toss a sickening start, you are insane. Insane. It'll be interesting to see if when they eventually go out and get a pitcher, are they going high end, right? Are they going to go out and try and make a big splash and bring in another like impact starter? I don't think they will. I mean, maybe they surprise me, but I think the more likely option is that they probably find like a middle of the road guy. Right. And if you're looking specifically at lefties, I just pulled up the list of uh, the list of left handers who are pending free agents in baseball, because that's probably the route you're going to go. Right. You're not going to get anyone with term because you have Manoa Barrios Gosman all signed and Kikuchi signed and no real reason to do that. Um, But the lefties, I'm I'm sorry, I'm skipping all the guys who are kind of on playoff teams here. there's not a lot. Mike no. Miner in Cincinnati. I don't, I'm not running Mike Miner. Like there's just not a ton of options out there. So I, I, I don't know. It'll be really, Maybe it will be for a guy with term then you never know. Uh, Oakland's fire sale. Miami still got a fire sale to do. There's teams out there that got to sell Ooh. some guys. And I think they just have a deep enough prospect pool. They can go and get, you know, like it doesn't have to be a, what if- a guy who signed. You would imagine Sorry, any team they go to, though, if you're going to the Marlins and you're trying to get one of their younger arms or you're going to take advantage of the Oakland fire sale, their their conversation probably starts with one of the catchers, right? You'd think you'd think it, it would be um, you think the conversation would start with Kirk or, or Dabby. And then the question is, uh, I guess, how who, who, who on the Jays, um, who in the Jays farm system is the guy that they really don't want to give up? You know, is it, is it, is it Gabby? Is it Aurelvis Martinez? Is it Jordan Groshans? Um, is there a pitcher they're really attached to? Because honestly, for me, like at the point they're at right now and like how badly they need to like make something happen and go on a playoff run before Bowen Blatt are eligible for their, their big extensions and starting to make real money. I mean, realistically, you should be ready to trade pretty much anything for another top end arm, right? Like if, if, if Miami's willing to trade a Pablo Lopez or a Sandy Alcantara, even though they're not a lefty, like if there, is there anything that isn't currently on the big league roster that you say no to? Like, I understand if you're saying no to a trade that involves Alec Manoa. Yeah. Or somebody like, you know, well, because he's your best pitcher. Yeah. (laughs) He's yeah. He's contributing to the team right now. You you obviously can't give that guy up in a trade and win the trade unless you're getting back like Mike Trout or Shoei Otani, but which was floated around. Yeah. We should talk about that too. eh? So take me through why this is a thing. Like why, why are there Shohei Otani rumors? Uh, well, the angels suck again. Unsurprisingly, they got off to a hot start. What? said, really? That's not like them. 
No, it's not like them at all. So the Angels are dog shit. And they have Shoei Otani uh, signed this season at a hilariously team-friendly $5.5 million. And then he's arbitration eligible uh, following this season. And then I think he can become a free agent following the season after that. Mm -hmm. So you get a year of control on top of this season. Yeah. So they're talking about what an extension looks like for him. And it's, you know, obviously going to surpass the, the record annual salary because he's a pitcher and a hitter and he, you know, he just won the MVP with, you know, good (laughs) elite hitting and very good pitching as well. So we're talking, he's going to command like $45 million or something annually on his next deal. And the angels already have Mike Trout signed until the end of time, making like $42 million annually. They went ahead and gave um, Anthony Rendon a huge contract that was backloaded. So they haven't paid him that much yet. And they're going to be paying him a whole bunch more down the road. And that's like a billion dollars tied into a couple of guys. And it's like, okay, well, you know, are you going to be able to afford Otani or should you just hold the trigger sooner rather than later and sell him for the King's ransom when his value is at its highest? And then everyone thought, okay, the Jays have two pressing needs now that Ryu is gone. They need a lefty starter and a lefty batter. They needed a lefty batter since the beginning of the season. And there's a guy that does both. So if you're the Jays, why not just trade every single thing in your farm system and go get Shoei Otani? It'd be cool. Right? Cool would be an understatement, Coomsey. I mean, sick. no matter what kind of money you need to get back in that like however you make it back in Jersey sales, whatever you spend, whatever his extension yes. is, if you have to take back Rendon, sure, take back Rendon and put him in Buffalo for all I care. Cause I really don't care where he plays, but th- it's an interesting idea. So let's do the exercise. Mourinho's in that deal, obviously, right? Probably. Yeah. You'd have to assume he is. You have to give something, you have to give them something. You have to give them something you real can't. good. Yeah, you can't just give them Jordan Groshans or Elvis Martinez and uh, I don't know. So, and be so like, it's uh, Mourinho, probably one of Groshans and Martinez. Probably both. So all so that three, you're giving up your big three in this deal and you're taking back Rendon's contract? Uh, yeah, I think, I think I'm pretty cozy doing that. Let's see, they'll probably want a pitcher as well. Toronto's top pitching prospect is uh, Ricky Tiedemann, who's killing it right now in high A Vancouver. So would you do... What if the deal was Mourinho, Martinez, Groshans, and Pearson, and you have to take Rendon's contract? Is that too yeah, rich? For, you're, yeah. Okay. Yeah, of course. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you're acquiring Shoei Otani. So that the, yeah, man, absolutely. Of course. That's, that'd be so cool. Like you said, they'll make the money back in Jersey sales. Hell, if it, if it helps, I'll buy an Anthony Rendon jersey as well. Maybe he can contribute too. He's not that bad, right? Is he? He's paid $38 million uh, for the next four years. And this season he has ooh, a 707 OPS. Oh God. Okay, if they acquire Otani, I'll become a Rogers guy. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll dump tell us and, and, and do my yeah. phone and internet and whatever else on Rogers. That's more than fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they should do it. Why yeah, not? I mean, they should They'll be cowards. Yes. Like yes. this team would be so much fun with Shohei Otani on the bump every five games. Like your rotation, I would go with the four man rotation for the whole season. I wouldn't even care. I'd just be like, yeah, it's it's Otani, Barrios, Gosman, Manoa. Boom, go. I don't even care what order they pitch in. Pitch them all every game for two innings and see if you can just do that. You don't even need That's a an interesting strategy. You have uh, just don't have starters and you just have everyone go every day is an opener. Yeah. yeah, and then 
then you have one. Yeah, you could do that. You just have like the day one guys and the day two guys and you go back and forth. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, the Otani rumors are fascinating. Um, I would I would love to see him in a Jays jersey. And that's like the most obvious statement ever. Who wouldn't? I have to I have to say one thing. So we wrote about this at Blue Jays Nation, and uh the title of the post was the Blue Jays should do everything in their power to acquire Shoei Otani. And one guy replied, being like, This is like if the Vancouver Canucks tried to acquire Connor McDavid. And I thought in my head, no, it's not, because the Canucks are fucking terrible. They're not the Blue Jays. They're not anywhere near being competitive. This would and be, the Canucks also don't. The Canucks don't have any prospects. The Jays yeah. have good prospects. This it's would be like if the New York Rangers tried to acquire Connor McDavid, right? Like a young team up and coming on the cusp goes all in to get the best player in the world. But the Oilers aren't even the Angels. Like I've used yeah. that comparison before. I've said the Angels are the Oilers of Major League Baseball. And that was back in like 2019 when the Oilers were missing out when uh, Drysaddle and McDavid were both like MVP caliber and they're still missing. But they just reached the conference finals. It's not, it's not fair to compare them to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim right now. So I don't like that. I'm not interested in hearing Vancouver Canucks talk on my Blue Jays Nation feed. I don't want to hear it. No. We got like really off track. We, we've been doing the three downs for 30 minutes. This is the third down, this whole discussion. This whole discussion. Um, <laughs> our ups, we're just going to rattle through them. Manoa, great. Barrios, Big solid. Man. Bing, bang, done. Was there anything else that was good? The the offense was good in the first game. They yeah. scored, they scored a whole. Oh, uh, actually, another up that's worth mentioning that's funny is Ruben Odor fucked up a few times. Ah, yeah, that's remember, always good. What did he do specifically? There was one. There was one little clip I remember of him. Um, the ball, uh, he missed it and it bounced up ahead him in the face. It looked really funny. I was at that game, so I don't. I don't really uh, remember exactly what happened. I don't remember it either. Oh, I well, do. Whatever. I still, whenever they played the Orioles, one, I love your trash bird meme. Um, that's great. But I also just get a chuckle out of like, they were in the wild card game against the Jays and they're still this terrible. And like the Jays, I know we talk about it a lot on the show, but like, I just still, it's hard for me to wrap my head around. Like front office is everything, man. And like a good prospect pipeline, like it's, it's so important. And again, I know that sounds obvious, but like one team was in the wild card game. What was that? Five years ago, right? Six years ago. Six years ago, five and a half years. Yeah. One of them is still garbage and nowhere close to contending. One of them is a top five World Series contender based on the odds. I you can argue where they actually rank in that, sure, but still. Wow. Think about think about all the teams the Jays faced in those two playoff years. So fifteen, it was Texas they beat, mm-hmm. and then it was Kansas City. Kansas City wins the World Series, and then twenty sixteen was Baltimore they beat. Uh, Texas, they beat again. And then it's Cleveland. The best non Jays team that they faced from those years is Cleveland, who's still like a middling playoff caliber team, despite their best efforts not to be. And then look at Texas. Like they've spent half a billion dollars and they're still not a playoff team. Like Kansas city. We just saw them. They're nowhere near good. They have, you know, some high draft picks. They had that weird draft class where they drafted like four different college pitchers and all of them suck. And then Baltimore, like, I mean, I'll give Baltimore credit. Like they're getting there, but they're getting there now, five years later. Wow. It's insane. Like the, 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 the Orioles now are where the Jays were in like 2019. Mm-hmm. Like how, how, how does it take you this long to, to pull, to like pull it together? It's, it's nuts. It is like, they're like, they operate like hockey teams where they can only find good players. And they're picking like top three, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like when was the last time the Orioles went and hit on like a 10th round draft pick or something like that? It just doesn't happen. It's, it's mind numbing. And they're international scouting too. Like they, they never find like an Alejandro Kirk. 
it's it, it would be a nightmare cheering for a team like that. It would be. How do you do that? Speaking of a team that it'd be a nightmare to cheer for, uh, the New York Yankees are rolling in, or the Jays are rolling out to New York to take on the Yankees. It's a three-game set over uh, the course of this weekend. I don't know why I keep saying it's on the road. It is at home. It's at the Dome. Jesus. Wait, is it? Is it? Yeah, it's in Toronto. It's I was in Toronto. Going, yeah, yeah, it's in Toronto. Yes, because tonight <laughs> is Blue Jays vintage short sleeve sweatshirt giveaway night. If you go, yeah. can you get me one? I have to get there really early and the tickets uh, for this game are pretty expensive for some, uh, for whatever reason, people really want to watch the Yankees for one. Yeah. I was looking on resales and the cheapest I could find was like $45, which is shocking because you, earlier in the year, you're usually able to find like a, yeah. a, a, a 15 bucks. What if I paid but, for half of your ticket for the sweater? Yeah. Half your ticket. Oh, you agreed. Okay. Never mind. I was about to haggle more. <laughs> you're going you're gonna, to, okay. I'll come up with some more. Uh, how about you pay for half my tickets and half of whatever I get at the concessions? So, well, I mean, hold up. <laughs> we need like a lawyer now. There needs to be conditions on this. Um, if you get me one of those sweaters, I'll give you $40 cash when you come to Edmonton. Sure. Yeah, we can do that. That's fine. If I, if I, if I wind up one, we'll see. It's really hot outside. It's been raining in Edmonton for like four straight days. It's insane. I barely slept last night because it was just like an insane storm outside. Yesterday here, it was like 33 degrees and just just gross, like just thick air. And it was also garbage day. So everyone had their garbage out and it was hot (laughs) and like sticky and it smelled so bad. Everyone puts their garbage out on the same day. Yeah, pretty much like in in the area that I'm in, it's like a busy area and it's Mm -hmm. like stinks like garbage all day yeah man it's it's fucking whack wow um we're approaching i think like the longest episode of this podcast we've ever done with just the two of us so if you're still listening we've been talking for we are at we're like 36 30 holy shit we haven't talked about the yankees yet so what are we thinking here they just swept the rays they're leading the al east by 10 their run differential is just insane like it's it's nonsense how good they are right now. I was listening to uh, one of their beat writers was doing a radio interview and I tuned into it and like they're comparing this team to like the best Yankees teams ever, like 27 and shit like that. Um, they have a plus 131 run differential. No one else in the majors, no one else in the American League, sorry, is even at f- Boston plus 53, which is weird that Boston's at plus 53 as well. But like one other team is over plus 50 and the Yankees are at plus 131. It's it's wild. Like they're when I looked at their lineup at the start of the year, we had them, you know, as one of those teams who were going to contend with the Jays. And I think the general sense was they had a lot of talent, but they also have a lot of guys who when they go cold, it's ugly. Well, kid, none of them are going cold. They're all just red hot. Yeah, it's I never thought their pitching was going to be this good. Well, yeah, it's it's they're, they're starting rotation. The worst guy is Garrett Cole. You, you How does that even rotation, make sense? Like, no, it makes no sense. And Garrett Cole hasn't even bad. Like his year is three point three three. And you're like, oh, this is the worst guy <laughs> in the starting rotation. The Yankees are on pace to win one hundred and twenty one games. Here's a really jarring stat for you. The Jays are 10 games back of the Yankees right now. They're the same amount back of the Yankees in the American League East as the Pittsburgh Pirates are in the National League Central. That's yeah. Ah. That's <laughs> fucked. That's whack. Like I, I I I hate saying this because I sound like a downer, like just I just kind of sound like a bitch. But 
I, I have I have no no belief that they can come back and catch the Yankees mm-hmm. at all. I like I think I think they have this. I think the Yankees have top spot in the division and the American League already locked up. I was one of the people who last episode I, I was optimistic. I was trying to be optimistic, right? I was like, oh, no, they got a shot. Remember 2015? Like, come on. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I, they're not catching the Yankees. The Yankees are too good. They just yeah. rolled over Tampa Bay. Like, come on. Aaron Judge has seven more home runs than anyone else in the majors. Remember when he turned down that contract offer in the winter? And we were all like, yeah. you are insane, man. What is your problem? You take that it was money. A good offer. It was a good offer. And it was yeah. like, how, how do you think you're going to get more than that, Aaron Judge? Well, I'll tell you what, if he hits 70 home runs this year, I think his offer might be better. What's he on pace for now? Well, he's got he's 25 at... and 61. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's, that's, that's got to be what, like a 65 homer pace? Yeah, like it's got to be something close to that. Yeah, he's going to get an outrageous contract. And yeah. yeah, good for him for doing that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, I know he's a big Players Association guy. So his whole priority is going into the offseason and just taking whatever big contract anyone gives him. So if, you know, the Texas Rangers were to offer him $500 million, then that's what he's going to take. But I do think the Yankees will uh, uh, come through and, and, and make it happen, mm-hmm. especially after the season they're having. It'd be shocking to to let him go in free agency yeah yeah that would be a very unusual thing for an organization like that to do because the last time like when was the last time the yankees lost a good free agent probably robinson come home i guess right like an, an internally developed guy who was good maybe robinson cano that'd probably be the guy i yeah. i can't think of anybody else um so the pitching matchups this weekend stripling versus montgomery tonight manoa versus jameson talion tomorrow kikuchi versus cole on sunday you better win that scrub cole you better win one or two of these first two if like you need to win one or else i i have no faith in them sunday with the kikuchi versus cole matchup that's actually one maybe we should have a little bit of faith because it's kikuchi but he's been good against the Yankees. He, um, let me just pull up his numbers. So he faced, okay, no, he hasn't been that good against the, yeah, yeah, he has. Okay. So in his first start, first game of the year, first as a blue Jay, he allowed two earned runs over three and one third. And that was the game where the Yankees were drilling the ball everywhere and he got super lucky. But then after that beginning of May, six innings, one earned run, uh, immediately after that, six days later on the road, five and one thirds, two earned runs. And like I said, Garrett Cole's their worst starter. So, you know, that's always possible uh, to get a win there. And actually, the Jays are, are lucky because they're missing Nestor Cortez, who has a 1.94 ERA. And they're missing Luis Severino as well, I think. So, Severino yeah. was just act- he was just activated from the COVID IL. So I don't think he's starting in this series, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it's, it's a mountain of a series. Um, yeah, it is. It's so, not, it's not good. I just, I really hope they just win one. Yeah. Yeah. Win one. Don't get swept. I usually I'm optimistic and I'm like, ah, maybe they'll stun us. Ha <laughs> But no, I'm not optimistic. I don't think they're going to stun us. If they do no, Sunday afternoon, we're slamming beers on the podcast. If they win two or three, we're drinking beers on the podcast. Yeah. If they sweep the Yankees, we'll both shotgun a beer. Sounds good. If That's win great three, audio we'll... listening to people shotgun beer. So the listeners will love it. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun. All right, it'll please. be It'll be coherent. Uh, Shout out to our friends at Points by Canada. Shout out to DoorDash as well. Uh, You enjoy this series as best you can. Hopefully you can get out to the ballpark, Coomzy, and uh, we'll chat on Sunday. That's wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.